0: Bankruptcy, divorce laws, disability, probate, there are so many classes on the path to practicing law. Unfortunately, most schools fail to instruct you on the business of law. This is Solo De Facto, a show dedicated to discovering the success secrets that exist in the reality of running a solo practice. My goal is to find the one thing that separates each guest from the rest to give you practical solutions to create a thriving firm. Solo de facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's trusted virtual legal receptionist.
1: Welcome everybody. We're here today with another great episode of Solo De Facto. I'm your host, Tom Dufton, and I'm super excited about today's guest. He's highly skilled in certain aspects of accounting. He's the owner at J. Richard Claywell CPA. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Claywell. Richard, how are you today?
2: I'm doing good. Thank you, Tom, for having me. I'm glad
1: to have you on here. and Let's hit the ground running here. Let's start with the question I always love to ask people right off the bat. And that's, what's the one thing you wish attorneys knew about running a successful law firm?
2: I think that the thing that that they really need to get their arms around is understanding how experts can help them with their cases that they have. Without consulting with experts, I think they're just, I spinning in the wind, They really don't know where they're headed, and they don't understand the implications of specific facts for a particular case.
1: Now, why is it that a lot of people might not know to consult with the experts uh, on a certain case?
2: I think that the reason for that is is attorneys typically will handle case after case after case. They've had a couple, two or three of these types of cases in the past, which would be a business valuation or lost profits uh, or a fraud type of a case. They've done a couple, two or three of these, so they think that they've covered all the aspects that could possibly exist because they've handled a small number of cases. Each case is entirely different, and without understanding the specifics of a case, I I think that they will wind up making errors in judgment and misadvising their clients.
1: So it seems like a lot of people are getting it wrong because they seem to think that they kind of know everything there is to know in that aspect. And is it a little bit of, would you say a little bit of humility plays into that as well? Being able to be humble and sit back and say, I might not know about this, but there are other people who do know a little bit more.
2: Yes. And, and from, from, a, an attorney's perspective, and then I'll give you the expert's perspective. The, from the attorney's perspective, they've, they've done a lot of this. And I think that the ego kicks in. Uh, I, I know this, I've done it, I've handled you know half a dozen cases, but you've always got these little outliers that are out there that could have a major impact on a business. From an expert standpoint, uh, I've been doing this since 1985, so about 37 years. There are a number of people all over the country where if I have a question, I can pick up the phone. And actually, they pick up the phone and call me also and say, hey, I, I, I'm working on this particular aspect. Have you ever had that issue? Yeah, I have or no, I haven't. We, we talk through what needs to be done. And I think you come out with a better resolution.
1: I like that there's kind of like a bit of an ordered step to that. And if a lot of people weren't sure where to go, even with the first step, who to contact, how do they figure out who exactly to reach out to if they're a little bit
2: unsure what to do? That's a really good question and and I'm not, today I'm not sure I can give you a real good answer and I'll tell you why. We just finished a case where the expert on the other side had 40 years of experience. Their report was about 40 pages long. I did a rebuttal report and that was 62 pages long explaining why what they had done was wrong. And I, and I just, types of errors that were being made by somebody who's got 40 years of experience. What I would look at, I believe, would be, number one, how many years of experience do you have and how many valuations, damage cases, or fraud cases have you done? Years ago, I had an individual uh, from Washington State call me about helping him value 12 companies. We talked about it a little bit. When we got done, I looked him up on the Internet, and and his, his resume on the Internet was just absolutely superb. We talked again and come to find out he was doing maybe three or four valuations a year, but he'd done it for five years. So he's got five years of experience. So the attorneys have to ferret that out and find out from their experts, just what exactly are you qualified to do? Now,
1: I like that a lot there. That seems like that's a big misconception as a lot of people have the the massive ego that they can take on everything. What are some other uh, common misconceptions in the area that you work in there that you might know a little bit more to help some people out with?
2: I think some other misconceptions that that the attorneys might have is that, and and I tell the people here in the office that not all CPAs are created equal. Uh, and, And I think the same thing goes with other experts is just because people have a designation in my mind, does not make them an expert. So I, I, I think it's a more of a matter of what sort of designations do you have, the years of experience. I think another thing to take a look at is the continued education that you have to have each year. For a CPA, we in, in Texas, we have to have a minimum of 20 hours a year of continued education, has to average 120 over three years. I typically get around 150 hours a year in continued education, Uh, because I'm constantly watching the webinars. What's new that's out there? uh, What happened in the court cases? Because they said something that has now destroyed the way we used to do something in the past. So you got to go out and change how you're doing that. Uh, I don't want to wind up in the courtroom or a deposition relying on something where, you know, 30, 60, 90 days ago, a, a court said, no, you're not supposed to be doing this. So you have to keep on top of what it is that you're trying to do. Now, it seems like there's
1: always more to learn. And that's kind of goes true for every industry that, in the world, really. But it seems especially in this kind of industry, it, there's always new information out there. And I like that you say you're always on top of it. You're watching the webinars. There's a, is there any other advice that you could give to people that they can stay up to date as much as they can?
2: And, and I've told the people here that work for me, They asked me what my hobbies are. Well, my hobbies are reading about the topics that I do work in. uh, I've got a book right now I'm reading on statistics. On statistics, it's got a little bit of a different spin on it. Uh, So again, I'm reading that. They're coming out with a new business valuation edition, March 22nd. So that was some time ago. I haven't received it yet. But when I get that sixth edition by a guy's named Pratt and Grubach, I'm going to go through the book and see what's there uh, so that I know what that new standard is going to be for doing you know, evaluation work.
1: So uh, if you look at it, what's one or two things that you yourself would say you're absolutely amazing at, you're constantly crushing it, but some people just kind of can't seem to get the grasp of that you might be able to help them with?
2: I think a couple of things that that people need to do, we'll talk about business valuations, is there's a process called normalizing where you want to look for anomalies in the financial statements. A lot of people spend very little time doing that, but that has a major impact on the value of the company. So you've got to understand how that really works. You've got to be willing to roll up your sleeves and get in there, get your fingernails dirty on this normalizing process. The other item I think, would be helpful for people, is when you look at historically, the revenues that you gonna have, you wanna to talk to the client about what's gonna happen in the future so you can do a forecast on this. Understand how the forecasts work. If you're gonna wind up using regression analysis on this, do you understand regression analysis? Do you understand that there are four tests of a regression analysis? So if you just go out there and do a regression analysis, you don't do the tests that are out there, i think you're asking for trouble now
1: we're going to flip it on the other side there and what are one or two things you think are a little challenging when you're running a firm
2: from my perspective running a firm like mine is it's it's difficult from a standpoint that i feel that i've got a lot of knowledge and a lot of expertise that attorneys could use the problem is is getting if, if they understood how all this information worked and the intricacies involved with it, uh, I think they'd be more willing to reach out not only to me, but to other experts to get the assistance that they really should have on a case. And now, is that something that could
1: excite you about the future is trying to uh, solve some of these challenges there?
2: Well, uh, hopefully, what we're talking about right now will, will help with that. Uh, know that we can do those sorts of things been doing it for a long time and to me the the ultimate objective is to help the clients and through that process is educating the attorneys so they they understand these little nuances that are out there the nuances will help them get a better valuation the nuances will also allow them to they want to do it whatever their strategy is either in deposition or in trial makes it easier for them to attack the opposing expert cuz most of the people that i've ever go up against are not aware of all these little nuances that are out there and they don't do it in their reports
1: now is that something they would have been taught in law school is this something that you have to learn kind of through trial and error on the job
2: i don't i'm not sure what they're taught in law school cuz i've never been to law school but i don't think that they do if, if they do they don't do in my opinion a very good job because i know when i talk to attorneys about different items uh it's kind of like whoa that's interesting uh we we did a we had a case last year there was a product case and then we had one about a year before that where it was a profits case and both of these different companies had their in-house cfos prepare the lost profits And I ticked off one of the the CFOs. Now, both these guys are CPAs, but I really ticked off one of them because I just told him, what you're doing is just not right. And so we went round and round and round about it. He's thinking lost profits is an accounting term and lost profits for damages is a completely different concept, completely different calculations. And neither one of them got it. Now are there certain
1: uh, technology, pieces of technology that could help people with this along with the information that you're
2: giving them?: Well, the technologies we, we use Excel and what we do, I would hate to have to write all this down on a piece of paper. Uh, but
1: it would be a very long list, wouldn't it?
2: be <laughs> a very long list. So I think that you, you have to have really good Excel skills. To, to work with that, and then you have to get it into a report so people can understand what you did. I can go out, and, and this is my opinion, I can go out and do the best business valuation, best damage case, best fraud case, have everything documented, and it looks absolutely superb. Nobody could attack it. But if I put my report about half of what I did and what I did, how or why I did it, and the documentation I used, the report is not very good report at all. And I'm being judged on my report, not the information that you don't get a ch- an opportunity to see.
1: And do you see that as kind of a common issue or is that uh, something that kind of pops up every now and then?
2: Uh, I, I see that as a very common issue. Uh, one, one of the things that I see is, and and, and I know attorneys are, are there to represent their client in the best way that they can, but when we are doing it, case for them. I am not an advocate. I I don't care about the case. And I know that sounds terrible to say that, but I don't have an interest in the case is a better way to say it. So we're trying to get information from the other side of the case. And the the opposing attorneys typically don't want to give us anything. I wish that they would realize that that I'm not an advocate. I'm just trying to get the best answer and share information between the experts. So result, if you get a better result there's going to be a difference. It's just the way it's going to work. But that difference is going to be very, very small. So if you can get my my, my work and your work within, say, 10 or 15%, then the, the, the attorneys can mediate that, get the, the case resolved. If we do the, our own work without sharing any information and not having access to uh, the other side of the case's owner, then we're going to wind up 50 70% apart and then it's just an uphill battle from there.
1: And throughout this entire conversation, you've had such you've had amazing points here and such a depth of knowledge. I want to take it back in time a little bit. Take me back, you know, a couple of years. Take me back in time and tell me about yourself. You know, tell me who are you, Richard?
2: <laughs> well, I'll go back further years. Uh, I was actually a, a medic in Vietnam. To college, when I went to college, I knew I wanted to be a CPA, and that was a controller for a company. We had twenty-one subsidiaries. Another CPA and I started a practice in eighty-four and eighty-five. I had a call from an attorney asked me if I could value a uh, oil refinery firm, and I did. And I've just done that kind of work ever since. And now you said
1: in you were in Vietnam, correct? Yes. Well, thank you for your service, then, first and foremost. Thank you. And of course, along with that, too, is just so much so you've been doing this since, I believe you said earlier, 1985, right? Uh, that's correct. That's a long time. You've obviously learned so much there. And, you know, I might be showing how young I am, but that's even before I was born. I know I look, <laughs> I might look old, I know. <laughs> but you've been working for so many years of this, and there you have such a wide depth of knowledge that sharing with these people is absolutely amazing. And tell me, you know, what are some things that maybe outside of work that you like to do a little bit too?
2: Well, the, I spend most of my time reading about what I do for a living. Uh, I just, I enjoy being at home with my wife. Uh, we, we, we travel a little bit, but not extensively. And, and we have two small dogs. And my wife's and my world revolve around those two little dogs, which is strange, I guess. We have a son. He's never been married. He's 50, I think. So we don't have any grandchildren. So we funnel all that attention to our two little dogs. What kind of dogs are they? One's a Shih Tzu. She's 100% Shih Tzu. The other one is kind of a Heinz 57. He is part poodle, part terrier, and part uh, greyhound.
1: That's great. My parents actually have uh, two. They have a King Charles and a, a teacup Yorkie, which has yeah. the most energy I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah. I can't even keep up with it.
2: <laughs> well, one of the dogs, his his whole perspective on life is, I go home just so I can throw the ball for him. Yep. <laughs> so that's that's what I spend most a lot of my time. With.
1: Yeah, actually, I experienced the same thing. I, I was just down in, uh, in Florida seeing some family and I, we got in, my fiance and I got in at about two in the morning, roughly when we got in there. And the little Yorkie comes right up to the door and drops a ball right at my foot.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. What I they do?
1: To, I looked at him and I said, I am just too tired for this. But yeah. I threw him for 10 minutes. I said, all right, I'm going to bed now.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: But, and I'm sure, uh,
2: do you travel to at all? Do you, do you like to travel? Well, we have. Uh, I've, I've been to, to Germany. I've been to France. Uh, been to South Korea. Been to China. Been to Taiwan. Been to Mexico. Been to Canada. So we, we've traveled quite a bit.
1: Yeah, clearly a well-traveled man. That's great. You know, it's <laughs> always nice to explore other parts too. And it kind of enriches the culture as well yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think my my mom was actually lived in Japan for or she lived in Germany for a little bit there. So she was I
2: uh, forgot forgot Japan. I've been in Japan, too. Yep. And and most of this, to be perfectly honest with you, has been teaching people all over the world how to value companies.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that?
2: Well, I am the chairman of the uh, International Association of Certified Valuation Analysts. And we have right now 55 countries where we have people that are learning how to value companies and get a certification for that. So it's, just, it's interesting to, to see what they do. I've graded some of the reports for a while. And when you read the reports, you can see how their country legal system is. So it's interesting to read the reports to see how they're handling different aspects of the valuation.
1: Now, what was uh, the most interesting country to really be a part
2: of for that? I would say China. I did not want to go to China. When I was asked to go, I, t- I was asked several times to go, and I told him I just don't want to go. Uh, and I got snookered. The The president of the organization called me one day and asked me what my wife and I were going to be doing for uh, Thanksgiving. I said, well, right now, we don't have anything planned at all. And he says, well, good. How would you like to go to China? So. Uh, about half a dozen times or so now, and I'd, I'd go back today if I could.
1: Yeah, and what was kind of the most interesting aspect of being there?
2: They've got, uh, gosh, it's in Beijing. It's where all the emperors lived. Uh, I, I want to call it the Forbidden Palace, but I'm not, I'm not sure that's the name of it. Uh, but there's a huge complex there that's got all of the the, the Chinese Oriental stuff. And it's, it's the types of structure architecture that we just don't see here. And so it's completely foreign and it's just really fascinating to look at what they did and how they did it, really enjoy it. And one thing I, I found, found interesting when, when I was in Korea, Korea has basically the same thing, but we were walking across this, this big open area and they had little white rocks there and, Just being inquisitive, I asked the the tour guide, why do they have rocks here? The idea was people were concerned about being assassinated. So they had rocks instead of grass and they had a lot of little dogs, a lot of dogs, I'm not sure how little they were, but the dogs could hear when people were walking on the rocks. So then the dogs would alert people, i.e. prevent assassinations, which I just thought was absolutely fascinating.
1: I mean, I think that's amazing, and it's the kind of uh, innovativeness of that a little bit too. Yeah,
2: that's right.
1: And I'm a big, I'm a big history buff too, so that really okay. that, that really piques my uh, interest in that area there. Yeah. And I think having all those kind of different experiences really makes for an interesting life as well, too. You know, uh, being all these different places and having all these great stories too. And what was not just your most interesting, but was your overall favorite experience of all that travel?
2: I would say, and I don't remember the name of the city, we went to Shanghai and this, this company had uh, worked a deal out where they would take me and my wife to some little town about three hours west of Shanghai and this is where the vice emperor would stay. And they had, for nothing else, called it a rock city. I mean, they carved out uh, out of big rocks, places to live. And they had a big pond, almost a lake there. And it was just fascinating to see how they did that.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's always these different things that you just never really think of from time yeah. to time, too. So that's right. Now, Richard, this has been such an amazing conversation. I've learned so much of not just travel, but also of the business aspect of everything, too. And I feel like it's always good to learn new things. I like to say that every day you should learn at least one new thing, right? That's right. That's right. But this has been such a great conversation. And where can people find you if they want to reach out to you?
2: Well, the website is zebra valuation V-A-L-U-A-T-I-O-N dot com. My phone number is 281 488 7531
1: Now, after this, you and I are gonna to have to do some sort of history trip together, clearly. So we're gonna <laughs> really, go. we'll we'll plan someplace fun. There'll be a good time. That's right. But thank you so much for being on here and thank you to the listeners too. If you if you learn something new from this, I know I did. I have Two pages of notes, front and back. So everyone clearly learned something here today. There you go. Then share this episode. And it's been another fantastic episode of Solo De Facto, And I will catch you all next time.
2: All right, sounds <laughs> great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, visit our site at solodefacto.com. And remember, smash that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app solo de facto is sponsored by backoffice betty's trusted virtual legal receptionist helping you grow your firm one call one chat one new client at a time to discover how they can help you grow your firm head on over to backofficebetty's.com and mention the solo de facto show for an exclusive listener offer